Hope everybody's doing good. You well? Excited? Yeah? No? Okay. Um, we're going to continue in a series called Galatians uh, this Sunday, and we've been in this thing now for quite a while. We've got two weeks left. We're going to spend a couple of weeks in chapter 6. Today we're going to be in chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, turn on your phone, whatever it is you want to go to and read along with this. If you don't have it, it, it anything, it'll be on the screen for you to follow along. A uh, little background on the book of Galatians. So um, it was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was um, a great evangelist. He was uh, miraculously saved um, by Christ as he was actually persecuting Christians. He began to go around and plant churches throughout the known world at that time. One of the areas he planted churches, you can go read about this in the book of Acts, is he went into a place, an area called Galatia. Galatia was this area with these different towns, um, Lystra, Derb, some of these other towns like this. He goes in, begins to plant churches, establish leadership in those churches, um, and then he would leave and go plant another church. As he would do that, he had great concern for these churches, that they would stay in the truth of the gospel, that they would not um, sway, that they would not be swayed, that they would not veer from the truth of the gospel, which is this, that Jesus died for our sins. He came and lived a perfect life. He took our place on the cross so that we could be saved, that we could be made righteous. He took our sin upon himself. He took the punishment and the condemnation for that sin upon himself. He was crucified, died, was buried for three days. Three days later, he arose. He later ascended into heaven. And he had promised he would send back his spirit. He sent his spirit to fill his people. And as we sang earlier, that spirit lit the flame, right, of the church. And now the gospel truth of old, it, it, won't, it won't faint. It won't slow down. The gospel is still going forward. And so Paul's writing back to the Galatians, and he's really telling them, don't don't let these false teachers who are coming in make you believe that you have to have something more than Jesus to be saved. Don't, don't let them make you believe that it's Jesus plus something else. And in Galatians, it's specifically these people coming in and telling them that it's Jesus, and for the men, it's plus circumcision, and for all of the people, it's following the law. It's through the rules. You have to still obey these things. If you want to truly be saved and you truly want to be a part of the church. And so Paul is writing back to the Galatians very passionately refuting this claim and telling them, don't fall into this. Keep running the race that you are running. And so the last couple of weeks, we've looked at this freedom that Jesus brought us through um, freeing us from the law. And now we're free not to do what we want to do, but we've been set free to do what we were created to do. And so we're picking up here um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And the question that really I want to look at today is this, if not the law, then what? If we no longer have to keep the law and we no longer have the law to keep us in line, then what will, Right? So do we just do what we want to do? What is it now that causes us to live out the life God wants us to live out if it's not following the rules, if it's not the law, if it's not these things that these false teachers were teaching? And so let's read uh, verse 13 down to 16. We'll go through these other verses to the end of 6 as we uh, get into it. 
It says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Notice that the setting, the context of this is community. It's not just about the individual. This is about the community, this new community of people called the church. So serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word and its truth. I pray, Lord, that you will work in our hearts today. I pray, God, that our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us. God, I thank you that your word is living and active. I thank you that it is God-breathed, that it emanates from you, that it has the power to save us, that the name of Jesus um, has the power to save us, that the gospel of grace, the gospel of faith in Christ is the power of salvation. I pray, God, that our eyes would be open to that more today. I pray, God, for the filling of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we would learn and see and begin to walk in your spirit today in a greater way. Lord, let your word do what your word does. Transform our minds, pull down strongholds, pull down inaccurate ways of thinking, that we would see the way you see, that we would think the way you think, that we would live the way you've called us to live, and we would fulfill the purpose for which we were created. We love you, God, and we worship you now through hearing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And so um, at our house, we, we have this room, and maybe some of you have it. As you come in through our carport, we have this room. It's called the mud room. Anybody have a mud room in your house? Yeah, so you got a mud room. But it's kind of confusing to me because if I get mud in the mud room, I get in trouble. And so it's a little bit confusing because when I hear mud room, I think it's okay to take my boots off in the mud room and get a little bit of dirt in the mud room. It's confusing. I think we should call it the clean shoe room or something like that. It'd be much more clear, right, rather than the mud room because you can't get mud in there. I look at this, and I think about the Galatians, and it's almost a conflicting thing for them. They're told you don't have to live by the law, but then Paul says, all the law is filled in this commandment, so just do this one commandment. And it sounds like it's contradictory, doesn't it? It sounds kind of like don't get mud in the mud room. He's saying you don't have to live by the law, but if you fulfill this one command, you fulfill the law. And, and so we look at this, and I want you to see how the Galatians could be confused about this, that they could really be asking this question of, if not law, if not rules, then what? Then how do we live this out? And Paul answers this with verse 16. He says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so, so Paul puts this great emphasis on walking in the Spirit. But why is that important? Why is walking in the Spirit so important? Why do we need to live in the Spirit? I'll, I'll tell you this. We are completely dependent upon the Spirit of God as believers. 
We've oftentimes not been taught this. We've oftentimes been pushed more towards an Old Testament mindset of keeping rules, of working in our own power, our own effort, our own energy. But the Holy Spirit is essential. Listen, this is important. Remember, this is in the context of community. The power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is essential not just to you as an individual, but to us as a community of God. We cannot be the people, the new creation, the new community that God created us to be, desires for us to be, apart from the power and the presence of God if we are not walking in the Spirit. This passage, as I said, it's, it's, about, it's about community. It's about more than the individual. It's about what we'll be known for. What we'll be known for. What, what is the church known for? My father-in-law owned a restaurant. If you're from, from around here, you'll remember it. If, if you're not, if you're a college student, you moved in the last few years. Um, it's a Verizon now over by CVS. But it was a restaurant. It's called Snookies. And so my father-in-law ran it for decades. And um, he decided to sell it and retire. And so when he retired, he had nine grandchildren. We started sending them to his house every day. He decided it was time to go back to work. So he went and found a new job. And I didn't think about this until this week. But it's really funny to me. He didn't just go find a job so he wouldn't have to have the grandkids all the time. Because you think about nine grandkids, right? He had somebody all the time. He didn't just, just, just find a job because of the grandkids. He started working with really old people in an assisted living. Like he went from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. But he had this restaurant called Snookies. And like I said, for, for years and years and years. And one of my sons had to do a class project where they had to come up with a business. It was about entrepreneurship. And they had to come up with a business and they had to say what that business would be known for. And so my son comes up with the idea that he's going to start Snookies 2. And so he's gonna start Snookies 2 and then the question was, what will it be known for? And he said, a handsome owner. Most of you can guess which one of my sons said that, if you know us, right? A handsome owner. But here's my question. What's the church known for today? Is the church today known for the presence of God? Like when people think about the church, do they think about the presence of God? When they think about Christianity, do they think about the presence of God? Here's the sad answer. I would say no. Even people who have been in church growing up and have attended church at different times throughout their life, I would say that the, probably the answer is not that when they think about the church that they think about the presence of God. I would say that if they think about the church, they think about some very different things. I think they think about people who vote conservatively because they read your Facebook post. They think about people who hate gays. They think about people who look down on sinners. They think about people who've developed a system of rules to live by to make themselves self-righteous and better than other people. They think about 
that we aren't very fun to be around. They think about how the church has formed some exclusive clique that's hard to break into. And I would say the thing that, that's not coming to mind is the power of God. And yet if you look in the book of Acts, there was something so different about the people. There was something so unique because the presence of God was with them that it says that they were favored by all people, but the people dared not join them. There was something so unique, and yet God was adding to their number daily. There was something so different, so unique about this new community of people that was so filled with the Holy Spirit that people recognized it and they knew that the presence of God is among them. There is something different about those people. And to answer the question, if not the law, if not rules, if not, if not going by all of the religious requirements, then what? The answer is the Holy Spirit. It is to walk in the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 says this, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He's saying, look, you can do this in your own effort. You can do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. But he says, you need to understand this. Your flesh and the Holy Spirit are in conflict. There is a, there is a, a contrast. There is a war that happens between the Spirit and the flesh. And here's the reality. The Spirit is going one direction. Your flesh is going the other. The flesh is leading you away from God and leading you into your own desires. And the Spirit is leading us closer to, into Christ and His image and is, is, puts us in the presence of God. He transforms us from glory to glory. He gives us ability that is not of our own. And He works in our lives in ways that we could never work. And Paul tells them to love one another humbly. And he says that the way this happens is to walk in the Spirit. But see, what happens is we begin to look at the rules and we begin to look at, at, at the law and, and it puts, where does it put our eyes back on? It puts our eyes back on us. Am I doing the right things? Am I living out life the right way? Am I, am I righteous enough in my behavior? And when we, and this is true, when we begin to put our eyes on ourselves, we become destructive. And here's the challenge for us, and I've said this for years, and it is true, and do not try to argue with me because I will win this argument every time. 10 out of 10 people are selfish, right? 10 out of 10 people are selfish. You might be a, 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 on a different part of the scale. You might be a four and somebody else might be an eight, but you're still on the scale. 10 out of 10 are selfish, and this religious mindset puts our eyes back on us, and when we're focused on us, we become destructive. It becomes about my preference. It becomes about my way. It becomes about how I think things should be done. It becomes about all of these other things other than Jesus, and this needs to be all about Jesus. This needs to be all about his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't walk in two directions at the same time. The Spirit and the flesh are moving in opposite directions. The spirit and the flesh desire different things, very different things. The spirit is progressing us towards God and towards Christ, towards his presence, walking in the presence of God. Walking in the spirit is walking in his presence. And walking in the flesh is walking away from the presence of God.
And so Paul answers the question, if not law, then what? In verse 16, he, he simply says, so I say walk in the spirit. But how many of you, if we're honest, because this is the way it, it's been for me at times too. How many of you are, are honest? Is When I say walk in the spirit, it, it's kind of like the mudroom. It's a little bit confusing. Because you're kind of like, how do I walk in the spirit? What does that look like? Like if I just said, hey, the answer to all of this is walk in the Spirit, and we prayed and you left, how much clarity do we really have about walking in the Spirit? It, it can be confusing a little bit. It can be somewhat confusing and thinking about how we walk in the Spirit. And so I want to spend the few minutes that we have left really looking at how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we not gratify the lust of the flesh? And I believe there's some truths. I know there's some truths in Scripture that can help us do this. One of those is this. He says walk. He says walk. If you look this word up in this context, it is a verb. It means to do something. So not fulfilling the law does not mean that we don't do something. We walk. It's an action. It's movement. It literally means to progress. It's not standing in one place. It's kind of funny that we drive to the gym to walk on a treadmill and go nowhere. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying live in this Christian vacuum. He's saying walk as you go through your daily life. Walk in the Spirit. There's movement, progression in the Spirit of God. It's knowing and growing in the Spirit of God. And so there's action. There's action to be taken. But it's not to fulfill the rules. It's to grow in the relationship with God. The second thing I would tell you is this. I think one of the things that's hard for us in walking in the Spirit is that we don't understand who the Holy Spirit is. We can grasp this idea of the Father, right? Even if it's an imperfect picture of who He is. We can grasp this idea of Jesus as a person. Even though it may not be a perfect picture of who He is, we can grasp that. But then when you get to the Holy Spirit, you're kind of like, huh? And you say, well, it's the Trinity. It's three in one. It's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But we have these misconceptions about who the Spirit is, so much so that we call him it. As if he's a thing. It's, it's almost like he's like this table. It's like it. It's like, you know, it, it holds my Bible. And we refer to him as an it when he is a person. And if it, it helps us if we look at it and understand that when Jesus promised to send the Spirit and he was telling those first disciples, I'm about to go away. 
But he said, I promise that I'm going to send back the Spirit. He says, I will send you another. And what he is saying in that is, I'm going to send you one who is just like me, but is not me. I'm going to send you one who doesn't just walk beside you, but will be inside you. He's going to have the same character, the same nature, the same attributes. He's going to be just like me, but he's going to be in you. Instead of me dwelling with you 12, I'm going to indwell every single person that puts their faith in me. And so we, we see this image of the Holy Spirit then. If I can know who Jesus is, not only does the Bible tell me knowing who Jesus is shows me the Father, but the Bible tells me then that if I can understand who Jesus is and get a clear picture of Jesus through reading the Gospels and understanding who He is, then I can understand who the Spirit is. It takes away some of the mystery that the Spirit of God that is here right now, who is dwelling inside every believer here, is the same God as the Father and as the Son, distinct, yet the same. And so we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Jesus said he was sending another. We've got to understand this relationship. And there's been this evolution of what it means to be in relationship or to pursue someone. How many of y'all have noticed, if you got a little bit of age on you, you notice like the different language through the years where it talks about like what it means to be in relationship with someone. Even how we would go about getting into a relationship with someone. How many of you are old enough that you actually courted somebody? Like you use that word, like I courted her. And in some, some time or another, it was like, he's wooing her, right? We don't say that anymore. We don't talk about that anymore. And, and right now, like with the age of my kids, I'm having to learn this entire new language. I don't even know if it's English anymore. And I'm probably about to make an idiot out of myself. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I do it all the time anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, but, but there's this new language that, that they use. And, and one of those words is riz. If you're over 40 and you use the word riz, raise your hand. I didn't think so. But riz, and they'll be like, man, I got riz. And so I pick at my son all the time. There's some other ones too, but I'm afraid some of them might not be like appropriate, so I'm not going to say them. But, but, but we'll be like, I'll be messing with him. I'll be like, dude, I got riz. And he'll be like, what? I'm like, actually. I'll be like, hey, come here. Supper's ready. He's like, actually? I'm like, no, I just said it because I just wanted to say it. But mess with him all the time. I'm like, dude, I got that riz. And you learn this new language, right? We went through a phase where it was DTR. We need to define the relationship. You remember that? And then um, there was another time where it was where we would, we would say, are they dating like ignorant dad? Like, are they dating? They're like, dad, they're just talking. <laughs> okay, my bad. Then there was Facebook official. 
Like they change their status to in a relationship and they're like, oh my God, did you see that? Did they have been in a relationship? And then some of y'all are old enough to remember this, right? That you were going together. Like, where were you going? <laughs> going together. At least though it indicates like movement. That you were doing something. But I think about that and I think about how the relationship with God works, the relationship with the Holy Spirit works. And I say all those things to say this, to define the relationship with the Holy Spirit, to understand it, I would ask you this, how would you walk with Jesus? How would you walk with Jesus? If Jesus were here, how would you walk with Jesus? Not like how would you step, like how would you live? Would you talk to him? That'd be pretty cool. Would you be pretty bold in telling people about Jesus? Like he's right there. Would you be able to have a deeper relationship with Jesus, walking with Jesus? What I would tell you is it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Is you can have that relationship with God now through the power of his spirit. It's like walking with Jesus, but it's even better because he's not beside you. He's inside you. And now we can know him and know him intimately. So we have to understand who the person of the Holy Spirit is. It's not an it. It's that he is a person to know, to walk with, to talk to, to, to relate with. The next thing I would tell you is it comes down to thoughtfulness, to thoughtfulness. So walk is an action. We're actually moving and progressing with God. We understand who the Spirit is, and he's got the same character and nature and attributes as Jesus. But it's even better than Jesus beside us. It's Jesus inside us. The third thing is thoughtfulness. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I would ask you, what are you thoughtful about? Because where your mind sits will determine your mindset, right? So what do you think about? Here's something funny. So not funny, but, but true. All right. So every year, something happens on this weekend. It's called the opening day of deer season. And men all over the church evaporate <laughs> and are transported into the woods. It happens every year. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. Like, like, we become obsessed with it. I'm not going to lie. Like, I can become obsessed with hunting. One of the worst things that ever happened to the world is called a trail camera. <laughs> because you know what we do? It's like, buzz, buzz. Look at this one. And we see a big one, and then we become obsessed. And we're like, I got to kill this deer. And so we'll spend every waking moment, like, like trying to kill the deer. And, and so, so we're thinking about it. Our mind goes there. Some of y'all even name your deer. Yep. Hey, this is boss. Because he's the boss of this area. I went, I've got some dogs that will find wounded deer. Like people can't find them. I'll go and, and, and I have these dogs that will trail them and they'll find these wounded deer. 
And I went to this one guy's house, and um, he, he, he met me at, at where he shot this deer. And, and so um, I get out, and he's like, I want you to know what we're after. I said, okay. He said, this is him. And he shows me this monster buck. I mean, he looked like a Brahma bull. And he said, I call him Sheriff. <laughs> super nice guy. I love this. He's a super nice guy. But he said, I call him Sheriff. I'm like, we need to find Sheriff. And so I'm fired up, man. I'm like, this is a big old deer. And so he kind of, I'm like, finally, he, he kind of just went on home back to his house. It was right near there. He, he drove his, like, buggy mule thing back to the house. I go in there. Um, you know, it takes a little while we find this deer. Well, I walk up on this deer, and I looked at it, and I'm like, that ain't Sheriff. <laughs> I'm like, he shot Barney. <laughs> he, he, he ain't shoot the Sheriff. And so I dragged this deer out for him. He's, he's an older man. I dragged this deer out for him. I loaded in his buggy. I'm taking pictures. The whole time I'm like, I ain't saying nothing. And so he walks over there right before I leave, and he pats that deer on the side, and he goes, Oh, Sheriff, I ain't real sure this is Sheriff. I said, Well, I wasn't going to say anything, but that ain't the deer you showed me, right? And so we kind of laughed about it and moved on. But, but we become obsessed with things in life, and for you it may not be deer hunting, but what is it? We become obsessed with things. So, so where does your mind sit? Where, what's your thoughtfulness? Where, where is it at? Um, is it on things above? Because I believe part of walking in the Spirit is our thoughtfulness. It's where my mind is, even throughout our day. It's not just to be mindful of God in here. It's to be mindful of God in the world as we go through our everyday life, in the, the chaos of life, that I'm staying mindful of who God is and that God is with me and that the Spirit is with me to talk to Him, to, to, to know Him, to, to set my mind on Him, even as I'm going through the chaos of life. The next thing is awareness. And if you look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, it tells us to rejoice always and pray continually. And we look at this and it's like, well, how do I pray continually? But again, Christianity doesn't happen in a vacuum. Christianity doesn't just happen in a prayer closet. Christianity happens in real life. And what he's telling us is to be aware of God all the time, to be talking to God all the time, to know that God is there all the time, just to, just to have a conversation all the time. As we go through life, as we do our daily journey, God is with me. He's in me. And I can talk to him. My mind is on him. I'm thinking about him. I'm aware of his presence and I'm communicating with him. And I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in his presence. I'm aware of his presence. That he dwells not just with me but in me. The next one, the last one I would tell you is Persistence. Persistence. Ephesians 5.18 says, be, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've heard me talk about this before if you've been around, but it's literally translated as be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is literally a continuation of the Holy Spirit being filled or us being filled with Him. 
be being filled. It's a persistence. It's a God, I, I'm, I'm thinking of you. I'm aware of your presence. God, would you please, Lord, send your spirit. You promised, Lord, to give more of your spirit. Send your spirit. Fill me again, God. Fill me again. Fill me again with the power of your presence. Glorify yourself in me. Paul goes on in Galatians, and he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. He says sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfishness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And listen, he says, but, he says, this is the flesh. This is gratifying the flesh. He says, but, there's a better way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, against such things there is no law. Remember what he said the law was, to love your neighbor, right? He's saying, if you got this fruit in you, you can love your neighbor. As Jesus said it, you can love your neighbor as yourself, as God through this relationship is producing this in me. This doesn't happen just in my life so I can have this fruit. I have this fruit so that I can give it to you, so that we together become a united body of, of, of the body of Christ, the church, to be and do what God created us to be and do, to be a people who demonstrate the power and presence of God to the world, to be that unique people. This is so important for us to understand that the presence of God is the thing that should separate us from everybody else. If you go read Exodus chapter 33, in chapter 32, the Israelites have worshiped this golden calf. Moses is up on a mountain meeting with God. He, he, he stays a while, to, they think it's too long. So they get, red, they get a little antsy. They form this golden calf out of gold. They begin to worship this calf as they wanted a God so bad. Um, Moses comes down, it's a mess. And so God tells him in Exodus 33, he says, listen, Moses, I'm gonna send you up to the land I promised you. He said, and I'm going to send an angel before you, and he's going to drive out the Perizzites, the, the Amorites, all those ites. He's going to go before you, and he's going to drive them all out. He says, but I'm not going with you. A little bit further down, Moses says, Lord, you keep telling me to lead these people. He reminds me, he says, but this is your people. This is your nation. He says, if you're not going to go with us, then, then, then don't send us. He said, because if you don't go with us, and your presence doesn't go with us, how are they gonna know that you're with me and you're with this nation? He said, how will we be any different? What's going to separate us from all the other nations if you don't go with us? It's why the tabernacle and the temple were so important to the Jewish people is because it was the symbol that the one true God is with us. He lives amongst us. And the thing for us today is just as the presence of the one true God amongst the Israelites, amongst the Jewish people was the one thing that set them apart, for us, the one thing that should make us different than everybody else is the presence of God living in and amongst us. And so we're called not to gratify the lust of the flesh, but to walk in the Spirit. 
we walk in the flesh, listen to this. This is something that's really important for us to hear. When we walk in the flesh, we do these acts. It calls them acts. And you think about an action is something that is momentary. It's an act. And it's just that. It's an act. But these acts must be done over and over again for a temporary satisfaction that never lasts. They must be repeated over and over. I do this act to try to satisfy, this act to try to satisfy, this act to try to satisfy. It's looking for a quick fix to satisfy an eternal desire. And it does not work. But when we walk in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is growing over time. It's growing more and more over time. And He satisfies our soul but remember, not solely for us, but for his people, for his church, for his body. It's meant to create the character and attribute of God in us so that we have the fruit of God, the character and attributes of God to offer each other. Because some people are hard to love. But let me remind you of this. You might be that person to God. But he loves us anyway, right? Just because he loves. So it's meant to produce a character, the attributes of God in us. So we can offer this fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things to each other so that we don't bite and devour each other. No, that would never happen in church. We don't bite and devour each other, but we become the church that God, that Jesus, that the Spirit intends us to be, that we become the light on the hill that is that's different, that is unique, a new community where the presence of God dwells, that we become salt in the earth, that we change things around us, that we become that new creation of people that shines brightly, that it's not just individuals, but it's a body, a new community that glorifies God and fills the earth with the knowledge of that glory. And it happens as we abide, as we walk with God. It happens when we pursue. It happens when we know who He is. It happens when I set my mind on things above. It happens when I'm aware of His presence and I'm communicating with Him consistently, constantly. It happens when I'm persistent and, and I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit and He's producing that fruit in me to an ever-increasing measure. And that's my prayer for us today. That we would be a people who are spending time in His Word, spending time together, spending time in prayer, not just during a devotion, but just throughout the day that our minds would be set on Him. That we would realize that it's not the law, but it's walking in the Spirit. It's, it's not rules, but it's relationship with God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a he, not an it. And we can walk with him. We can know him. We can live in the presence of the Lord. 
So I want to pray for us right now that our hearts would be moved by the working of the Spirit. Father, I thank you for this. We praise you right now, Lord. Would you begin to work in our midst, Lord? Would you begin to work in our midst today? It would help us to see with the eyes of faith, to see more clearly who you are. To help us see, Lord, who the person of the Holy Spirit is, the one who indwells those who have faith in you, the one who gives us strength that's beyond our ability. Something that's been on my heart really since we started worshiping and, and I just kept I kept seeing in my mind, kept thinking about a school bus. And I feel like what the Lord was saying to me is that there are people here today who aren't on the bus. It's not that you're not walking in the Spirit. You don't have the Spirit because you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never come into relationship with Jesus, so you have no relationship with the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't indwell you. But today, God is offering you this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I believe there are people here who God is tugging on your heart to say yes to Jesus today, to say yes to his lordship, to say yes to him as savior, to allow him to rescue you from your sin, to begin to renew your mind, to begin to give you an awareness of his presence, to give you a love and affection for him that you've never had. And maybe for you, it's always been about rules. It's always been about just fulfilling this law and going through these motions. But today you would say, God, I want to know Jesus. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. I want to come into a relationship with my Heavenly Father. And right now, if that's you, why don't you put your hand in the air and say, today, today I need Jesus for the first time in my life. I need Jesus. Amen. For the first time in my life, today I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. God bless you, brother. Who else today? You say, this is, this is where I need the Spirit of God in me. I need God. I need Jesus. I need the forgiveness of sin. And for the rest of us, listen, walk out of these doors knowing that God is with you. If you're a believer, God is in you. Set your mind on things above. Be aware of his presence. Be persistent in your conversation, wherever you are. And let him work out the fruit in your life. You can't produce it, but he will produce it in you. Father, we thank you again for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.